The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Typology, the podcast on which we explore the mystery of the human personality and through the, through lens, the lens of the Enneagram. Oh, the Enneagram. The Enneagram. <laughs> the, or as, as my one of my kids has taken up to say, the Enemagram. Enemagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that's my seven. That's my seven. Hey, we have a, a really special guest on the show today and with an interesting story uh, behind uh, his being on today. We actually scheduled Chris Cruz uh, on our show. Let me see. How long ago? A couple, like, yeah, it, was about a, or, it was about a month ago or two months ago, yeah. A month ago or something like that. And he lives in Redding, California. And he calls up and he says, hey, man, I can't be on your show because my house is like, I don't know, how close to it, the huge forest fire well, out like there? Like 10, 10 feet from his back door. Okay, it's 10 feet from his back door. Burned through his back fence. And it stopped 10 feet from oh, your back door. That's generous. Really? Yeah, I burned up to the foundation of my house. So it, it, oh the fire, gosh. which it was the, it's the car fire, which is the sixth largest wildfire in California history. Right. And so it burned all the way up to the foundation of my house. So it burned all my fencing down, everything on, in my backyard, basically. We thought we had lost our home. The next morning we were, we had evacuated, we left town and a lot of moments there where my Enneagram number definitely shined. It's, it's, it's light. And okay. So, what, all right, so tell everybody what your Enneagram number is. Yeah. I'm an eight. I am definitely an eight. An eight yeah. challenger. Yeah. Okay. So Mr. Definitely, I have a question yeah, for Mr. you. Definitely. <laughs> okay. So let's say I threw you into a, a witness uh, stand and I, I said to you, um, can you please provide all the necessary evidence to convince me that you were an eight? Yeah. All right. What would you say? Um, I have a this unique uh, confrontational intimacy. I, I unique. Find, okay. Yes, I this uh, I like to. I like. I like to have a little bit of a scuffle. It's. It. It helps me at times feel powerful, but ultimately, it's. It's not a good thing. But uh, I have this. Also, these thoughts that more is enough. Um, well, uh, you mean more is not enough? Sorry. Is it, is it, no, yeah, this, right? the, the idea that, that more, the idea of more and more and more is enough. Like I won't, enough right. isn't enough. I just need to keep having more. Like if I have right. one candy bar, why not have two? If yep. like, if I'm going to have one experience, why not have a little bit more of that experience? Even when I don't need more of it. Yeah. So I definitely have that. I, um, I have a, like this need to be against for mm -hmm. sure that comes up. It's hard for me to, I, I don't, I have noted, not a real strong desire to control people, like, but I, ha I definitely have this reflex to not be controlled. Yeah, that, no, that's very eight. So, okay, yeah. uh, go no further. You're guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> that's all there is to it. Guilty of eightness. There, there it is, done. There it is. You, you've I, felt, given me I all. felt it was true. <laughs> yeah, it sure sounds like it was. Um, but, you know, for the, for people in our, our uh, who are listening, you know, just to be clear, you know, there are other numbers on the Enneagram who are as aggressive eights as eights. So, and they're often mistyped as, hmm. as eights because, you know, we tend to think that, okay, that sounds like the prototype of an eight, you know, mm -hmm. when, when people present that way. But you could also be a counterphobic six, which is very aggressive, or you, wow. could, be a sex, you could be a sexual four. Wow. And sexual fours, fours that subtype, uh, often present as aggressively, if not more aggressively than eights. Wow. So, you know, the, the Enneagram, again, provides <laughs> us with hours of interest and, and conversation. <laughs> layers upon layers. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it, it, it just accounts for all these different nuances of things that, that, that where people look mm -hmm. the same, you know. And, of course, when you get into subtypes, it actually explains why two people of the same type can look absolutely different. Wow. And if you're if you're out there and you're wondering like okay I'm not sure of my type go to the subtypes because chances are you're one of those subtypes and you just need somebody else to kind of give you the finer set of distinctions hmm. of each type and that'll really help you 
So, all right. So, hey, listen, you know, we just tell everybody what you do. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm a young adults pastor right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I do uh, full time mm-hmm. for okay. uh, general college age, but some that are older than college age for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, how does your eightness serve that mission? Well, <laughs> the interesting thing is I initially, like when I, I took over a ministry from some, from somebody and the, some of the initial thoughts of the the fear of appearing weak mm. start like did I did I have it in me enough to to lead this but not do I have what it takes but more like I don't want to look like I failed to a degree or kind of just don't want to look weak so definitely felt that I could also I found right away that I could dr- I could drive that train drive that direction without considering the people I'm leading and realizing mm-hmm. that one of the most touching moments was when I actually had to sit down with our team and I just cried with them. And I told them that I didn't care about us succeeding at the cost of them because I could find myself being so driven, so driven to accomplish, but not even driven to accomplish, but just driven in everything yeah. that I could wear people out. Uh, I could wear our team out. I could wear everyone out. And it was, if you didn't have a hundred percent loyalty, I questioned loyalty at all. And so I found that that immediately started to come up. So that that that's where in leading that that's where I came up for sure. And I had to realize that my um, my vulnerability was the gateway versus my strength. That yep. was definitely another way that that came through. And I had to stop thinking I was speaking to them being against me, as if mm. I'm trying to convince them. Right. Versus like. Versus speaking like a father to a son that has their heart already in mind and their heart, right. my heart and mind together. But I, I had to speak uh, with them and care for them versus speaking against them to resistance. So I want to know something. What yeah. what precipitated that event? Like, in other words, you didn't just randomly get up and cry in front of that group and say that. Mm-hmm. What happened that made you do it? So I, I sat by myself um, and when I was sitting by myself and I... I honestly, I was having this conversation with God and I was like, God, what is my heart for these leaders? I need, I need to know what's inside there because it's down there, but it's not the easiest thing to first grasp right away. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so I, ha- I had to kind of excavate my heart towards them. And so when I, when I spent some time reflecting on that, getting over the clutter of where we're going and what are the bigness of what we're doing and kind of settled into what is my heart towards them. In that moment, all these feelings erupted, all these things. And I I found myself crying there just as much as when I cried with them, as I found my feelings for them, how I wanted success to be in them succeeding, not just me succeeding, but really buying into that. Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome. Can I mm -hmm. just, um, can I read your quote? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. This, because this is awesome for eights. Ready? This is Brene Brene Brown. She says this, Mm -hmm. courage is a heart word. Mm -hmm. So let me just say that again. Eights, listen to me. Courage (laughs) is a heart word. The root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Wow. So this is, this is so important that, 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 you know, to combat the eight's belief that weak vulnerability is weakness. They confuse yeah. the two mm-hmm. when in fact it, it represents courage. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It represents courage. So you just really helped bring that up for me. That, wow. that that's, um, there's this incredible relationship in between the two. And you just, you brought something else up for me. There's a poet, David White. He's also a business consultant. He's got a really interesting guy, poet, very, very interesting wow. guy. And um, he talks about that the 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 opposite of being burned out isn't rested, um, or it's really wholeheartedness. Mm. That when you're when you're working at something wholeheartedly, wow. then you're you're really in where you're supposed to be in life, you know. Mm. Like you, and you'll never run out of energy. Right? Wow. It's like it's like a, it just perpetuates, right? So, so good. I wonder if the opposite of in, the intensity, that lust for intensity mm-hmm. that, that eights have, right, which is their deadly sin, mm-hmm. really the opposite isn't, um, you know, to moderate or, something, or, or chastity. Maybe the opposite is wholeheartedness. Mm. I wonder. Mm. I need to think about that. Yeah. You just brought all of that up. 
<laughs> well, I definitely can relate to the idea, and, and especially with my my wife and my kids. You know, I felt I felt you know I couldn't back away from the the moments with my son. You know, for initially with my son, his when I would read his, him children's books, I would feel incredibly awkward, and really? I almost naked because they were so innocent. Oh, they were yeah. so innocent that I would feel this, you know. I could even cry talking about it. Like there's this 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 reality that I felt so innocent with him, and I could feel all of life that went wrong, even for me and for other people. And I go, wow, this is so innocent to read this book with him. And I couldn't escape the moment. I can't run away from it. I can't even moderate it. I couldn't even be like, all right, let's just not have a lot of that. It's going. No, I had to dive head first into the naked feeling, into the into the feeling of like. That made me feel awkward to say the kindest words I could possibly say to him. They make me mm. feel naked. Even mm. to my wife, I had to stop. I had to stop writing my cards to her. I had to say them because wow. writing them was an easier <clears throat> escape for me from the awkward feeling of vulnerability and vulnerability and nakedness. Like I would, I would have like on anniversaries or birthdays or important moments, I would have to sit there and look her in the eyes and say them to her versus being eloquent in a card. Where yeah, I could so almost every, escape. I, all eights listen. All people who know eights listen. Okay, so so what Chris is describing here is an ancient spiritual practice, uh, a Jerry Contra. You've heard me mm. talk about it before, but he's giving a great example of it. Uh, it. Saint Ignatius came up with it, which is to go against the grain or the mm. habit uh, or the pattern in your personality. Okay, and what you're what you're describing is forcing yourself to do that which is really unnatural to you to mm-hmm. perhaps reverse the excesses of what has been overemphasized in your life. This kind mm-hmm. of power dynamic, right? Yeah. Uh, strength mm-hmm. uh, messaging that you do. Mm-hmm. And so that takes great courage. Hello, great courage <laughs> living from the heart and um, being that's bold, thoughtful, <laughs> conscious spiritual work. So Amen. Yeah, I like Saint Ignatius. So I, I, that, that part I didn't actually know that spiritual practice connected to him. But the exam is something I do every day. So, but I'm I'm I like I like knowing the rest of that. That's good. So, were you always this self reflective? Because most eights are not this self reflective naturally. Um, I probably wouldn't say that I was always this way. No, no. I I think after I think when I honestly when I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that changed my life from that moment on, it really. It, a lot of stuff really changed inside of me that was not my normal. Mm-hmm. I, so, like philosophy classes were always interesting to me. Debates right. were always on. Like I could debate anybody anywhere yeah. at any time. All Fights. right. So if you're yeah okay. So if you're an eight, here's what I want you to do. There's um I want you to go to themonkdebate.com. dot <laughs> com. Uh, the monk debates. M U N K, not M O N K. M U N K debates because. This is a whole Canadian series about classical debates to get people like Malcolm Gladwell against Stephen wow. Fry. I mean, and it's so awesome. And if you're an eight, man, you're going to see some really smart, <laughs> smart, thoughtful, funny engagement oh. uh, by people who are not afraid to throw down, man. It's oh. it's, eight, it's eight heaven. That's going to say, that sounds but, like a great night. Yeah, and it's actually five heaven, you know, because, you know, these guys are, and women are so smart. Um, yeah and, and the and they're oh anyway i loved it i can go on forever about that dang podcast the, the um, interesting thing even as you mentioned about the a five heaven i one of the other things i found with my number is i can find refuge in books this in this mm-hmm. weird insecurity moment like what i what i'll do is like if i'm insecure about my message that i'm preaching if I'm worried about how, like, I don't have enough knowledge of it, that I'm incompetent in it, all of a sudden I start thinking like a five. I start going into research mode. I've got 18 different books out in front of me versus just settling into, like, the generous heart that believes what's inside of me will help you. I'll, I'll Ultimately, I'll just be diving into books enough to catch myself because I'm like, wait a second, time out. Like, I don't need to find refuge in these books. What I could just push them away for a second and trust what's inside me. So even as you said that, that just triggered my brain when you said this is an eight and five heaven, because I definitely have seen the negative of the five come out in me. Mm. So uh, Anthony just handed me something that's fantastic. And mm-hmm. I, uh, what's the source of this, Anthony? Uh, voice this? of the Heart. Which is it? Chip Dodd, Voice of the Heart. Okay, so... Check this out. It's mm-hmm. a comparison between two words for eights. One is intensity and one is intimacy. 
Mm. All right, let's compare them. So right here it says, intensity is an attempt to attain satisfaction through extremes of strain, struggle, and effort. In impaired relationships, we equate the struggle of power, control, rage, anticipation, extremes, and excitement with intimacy. Mm. The initial, quote-unquote, in love experience is much closer to intensity than to intimacy. All right? So here's intimacy, though. Intimacy occurs whenever we live in truthfulness, transparency, vulnerability, and responsibility. Many would rather engage in the strain of intensity, which is self-reliant, than the courageous work of intimacy, which involves the exposure of limitation. Mm. Oh, could read that all day. The exposure of limitation. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you think an ape needs to hear that, Chris? <laughs> yes. Right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, absolutely. Because you know absolutely. what, apes, apes forget two things that you've mentioned that are so important. Uh, one is they forget they're not invincible. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with, you know, recognizing and, and owning their limitations physically, yeah. emotionally, you know, whatever. But the, the other thing they forget, and you mentioned this, Chris, is they're about your, you know, experience with your yeah. child reading, reading to them. Is they forget, this is a big thing for AIDS, is they forget their own innocence. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, I would define innocence for AIDS as being uh, open-heartedness without cynicism. Wow. Ooh. I'm letting that hit me right now. That is so good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How do you how do you live without that? Just with an open heart that's not guarded. You know, uh, has doesn't have sentinels at the door. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. keeping back the innocence and and the tenderness of life with cynicism. Kind of well, that that, that relates to even how I saw how I used to see God. There is this lack of trust in his well-being towards me, mm. like which related to all my relationships. That ultimately, there is a, a hint of I'm still a little unsure about whether you're fully for me. Okay, this is awesome. So, uh, not 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 all of our not all of our listeners are people of faith. And so, let me just translate mm-hmm. for those people. Mm-hmm. When, when we use the word God, okay, because mm-hmm. you know Chris and I come from a particular tradition, a mm-hmm. religious tradition, okay. And so when we use the word God, you might replace it with the word universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Literally, right? If you're not a person, you could say the universe is not trustworthy or, mm. you yeah. know, the uh, cosmos. Yeah. The cosmos and, and, or the, or the universe will work against this kind of person. Uh, mm-hmm. Or the story I live is, uh, you know, this, the, this is how it goes, mm-hmm. you know, in the story I live. So, mm-hmm. wow, that is really really wonderful stuff really 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 rich um really helpful too i think for a lot of people okay so you know we're all you know personalities made up of so many things all right uh not i don't think we even know all of them two of them would be disposition and temperament you're just born that way you know mm-hmm. you've, you've got that thing that energy is an eight right yeah and that's never going away but of course nurture comes into the equation and mm-hmm. reinforces or plays along with the temperament and disposition and they create sort of a <clears throat> personality style mm-hmm. so as you look back on your childhood and this mm-hmm. isn't necessarily just about parents it could be school mm-hmm. it could be coach whatever temperament and disposition aside what made you into an eight? I've tried to think about this a lot. Me and my wife, because we were, my wife's a seven. And so we, her and I have had many conversations as we've gone on, on, on this journey with Enneagram. It, and there's moments that stand out. And then there's moments that, that I'm like, I actually don't know. So I grew up in, with uh, three other brothers and very competitive household very competitive. My brothers and I competed with one another in almost all the things that we did. Uh, and we were pretty much good at all the sports we played. Like we were all good enough to, you know, and then we, so there's a part of that. And then also I grew up in, and also a Hispanic household. So there was this degree of like, you don't show your tears. Like I, I remember um, like making sure I didn't mm. let my tears be seen by people. Like, especially in any kind of, uh, as I mentioned before, any, uh, you know, my relationship to God, but any kind of church service I was a part of, if I started to cry, I gripped the chair in front of me and made these faux yawns to hide the fact that I was crying. I wanted it to make it look like it was morning yawns and wiped away my tears. 
I can distinctly remember wanting people to not see that part of me, wanting them to wanting to kind of. And I think there was a part of it already that was connected to my innocence being gone earlier on in my life, being exposed to pornography super young and feeling like, oh, wow, my innocence is definitely feels like it's it's taken away and and feeling like going to those places. I was aware of that part of me missing and. And then the rest of the game was a, a facade, a show to kind of save face. And you had to make sure you didn't show any weakness, especially growing up in New Jersey, too. Like, it was, <laughs> like, quite an intense – you grew up, like – when I moved to California, I couldn't – I didn't believe anybody could be that nice when I first met them. So, so yeah, I mean, that's – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish no, 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 no. That was, uh, was, that was kind of a nutshell of it. So I'm not quite sure. I've tried to think through. I know there's scenarios and moments where I definitely felt like I had to be strong for my family. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, uh, I remember, um, I, I remember a moment in my life where my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I remember the, the journey where we all shaved our heads with her when she lost mm-hmm. her hair. And mm-hmm. I remember these moments of feeling like I like almost feeling powerless to something. And at the same time, feeling responsible for making sure we're, you know, we're, we're, we're getting through this. And then even with other scenarios with my family, I've seen myself take on responsibility. Um, like I put myself under pressure to be strong, to keep, it almost, it almost keeps me from grieving and feeling the pain. Cause I feel like I have to put myself under this pressure to be strong. Mm. Um, it's like, if I'm, if I like literally in the car fire, when I was telling you about that fire moment, literally we're driving from the fire and I'm looking back in the backlight, back view mirror of my car and my city is glowing with flames and I'm driving away and I cannot say I'm scared because it feels as if I say I'm scared. My wife is going to like, is if I have, if I say it, she's not gonna be able to hold it together because I feel this pressure to be strong. And it's almost like something was strangling. And I just told her babe, I just got to let this out. I am scared. And then how I does, just sobbed. <laughs> how, how did she react to that? She, she was able to, in that moment to go, it's okay. I'm scared too. Oh, <laughs> how fascinating that. So as an eight, what did you learn from that experience? That the, on the other side and the moments of pressure like that, that I don't actually have to hold that up that it's a, it's a pseudo pressure. Like it's not this real, not everybody isn't relying on me as much as I think they are. Yep. And it's, and I think that's true in a lot of places in my life that people aren't relying on me as much as I think they're relying on me. Okay. Ace, did you hear it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's too rich, man. You just said it all. I'm not even going to comment on it. All right. So, but you also raised something that, that I've never actually, I don't think I've ever spoken about this on the show, but it's a big theme for among Enneagram teachers and, and students, which is what, what are the cultural influences that, you know, mm-hmm. in other words, what mm-hmm. is the effect of culture mm-hmm. on personality development, right? Totally. So you just described uh, a sort of a culture that did not value or perhaps even said uh, uh, actually uh, devalued. Oh. weakness or anything on the outside, any external display of vulnerability or mm-hmm. weakness that it mm-hmm. was inconsistent with a male figure. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? Oh yeah. Or, like, or, I can tell or you women, over too. And over women too. Yeah. Well, my mom, my mom was the one that was probably the nurturing one in the conversation. My dad taught me a lot of other things, but the, like, and my mom taught me a lot of other things too. But the, in our culture, like especially growing up being Puerto Rican, my family, my uncles, all of them, all, all of them showed this like intensity and this like facade of strength and just, you know, never, never seeing them cry. Mm-hmm. Um, now my dad can't, you can't even get my dad in moments of his, of celebrating a, a sibling. My dad will start to c- celebrate us and he'll just break down crying. He's this done so much work that he'll yes. just break down. Well, eights, you know, eights uh, in those situations can become. Uh, like when I, you know, I've been at eights, you know, doing weddings, you know, mm-hmm. and they get up to give a toast and they always lose it. Mm-hmm. And, wh- and when they do, everybody goes, oh, there you are. It's like when there's, I'm speaking. Totally. There's the whole you. Like, like, all right. So this is something that, yeah. uh, that I've been, <clears throat> a theme I've been working with, right? Your personality is who shows up when you don't. Mm. Wow. So wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you get so, rid of like the false self. Kind of like yes, totally. So, 
when you really show up, then that availability to vulnerability and tenderness does as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. When it doesn't come with you, it's just your personality. Your, your real self is not completely there. I mean, wow. now, I don't want to say it's either you're, you're in your true yeah. self or not in your yeah. true self, because here's the deal. I think we're always some kind of, you know, mixture of true and false, and mm -hmm. maybe the key in life is to try as best you can to be self-aware and prayerful and thoughtful to try yeah. and be more true than false. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just the thing, yeah. you know, again, it's pesto and pasta, not a bento box. You yeah. can't, you know, mm -hmm. sort of compartmentalize one and the other. Yeah life's you know life's more messy than that but mm -hmm. so so you grew up in an environment can i use the word machismo like yeah, that's sure. the right that's the the kind of value placed mm -hmm. on you know kind of maybe more in the masculine sense but it mm -hmm. but it 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 yeah. you know kind of is a value i want to ask you this question yeah who were you before your culture told you you were supposed to be you see where i'm going mm -hmm. So who were you, do you think, before you had to take on this sort of personality uh, style of the eight, which in many ways, parts of it were probably put onto you as an expectation. Who do you think was you before that um, expectation was placed on you? The first thing I, I think about is I think I have this weird kind of nostalgia around that, actually. Like, I, I, I've thought about this, and, and that's why I think, like, child, um, whenever I'm, like, aware of childhood things, like, my either my childhood or watching kids play and do all this stuff, I see myself, I do see this person that is, like, way more innocent and carefree and playful. I I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that that's where I go. I go to yeah. this like seeing this kid who who can enjoy life without feeling the intensity and the burdens of it. That's often yeah. how I, I've. It's the it's the thing that it's it's me without feeling like I've got to fix the world or not fix the world, but be strong for the world. Like all of a sudden yes. I have to. Yes, it's me without all of that. It's like wow, I can enjoy playing wiffle ball in the backyard. Yes. Okay. This is fantastic. So there's a there's an Enneagram teacher, uh, quite well known, d died fairly recently. His name was David Daniels, and the way he put it is is that for eights, the original innocent state of um, uh, goes into the background for eights. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it goes it goes into the background for eights, and they begin to see or perceive a world that's very hard and unjust, and where you know, we people get taken advantage of. And so, uh, but so that, in other words, that innocence that we were mm -hmm. talking about earlier recedes into your, into the background out of sight. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of the work of the eight is the recapturing or the recovering of that innocence and mm -hmm. integrate, integrating it yeah. into your person so that you become whole, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to be perfect. That, that's mm -hmm. a, you know, that's a crazy yeah, idea. We yeah. want to become whole. Yeah. And when we're not whole, that's the, the, the Latin word is disintegras, disintegrated. Wow. When you're wow. integrated, that's wholeness. Yeah. So it's bringing all that in. Oh, listen. Did you hear that? <laughs> My alarm just went off and it's playing Angel of Harlem. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Let's just pause and dance. <laughs> all right. I'm turning that off. Okay. All right, whatever. That, that was fantastic for an eight on the show. There you go. Um, so but the, the thing, the, th the thing that's interesting to me with like the pathway to innocence and the figuring out of innocence in my life uh, has also included a journey, really, in understanding mercy. Like mm -hmm. it feels like I've had to really, in the beginning, um, kind of understand that even the idea of mercy being be defined defined differently in the idea that whatever you do to me does not force me to do anything to you that my mm -hmm. i my person determines my actions towards you not your actions towards me and that that, that leads me to being merciful towards you because my love defines my actions not your actions towards me which helped me because what it would be like especially growing up people would if you do this to me, get ready for 10 times more. Like if you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. If you, right. if you, and just letting go and being able to go like this, 
letting go initially made me feel so powerless. <laughs> yes. And, and it was like, wait a second, to let you go, to let you off the hook in a, a justice that is more restorative than punitive, to actually believe that in the mercy, me showing you mercy, I can somehow save your humanity. Mm. That, that if I do that, that you, you mean I'm actually not losing power here, that this isn't a powerless play, that I'm not a victim, that I'm not, that I'm actually powerful in this? choosing to have mercy towards you that like that whole like whoa okay the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling that's it it's that easy it's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at hashtagrenew.com. Hey, that's changed a lot of stuff for me internally. Okay, so this is fantastic. So listen to me. Uh, you're in a room of 10 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say, you know, LeBron's in the room okay. and uh, Bono, since we just had him in this room. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a couple of famous people. And then... Someone walks in with a baby, an infant, maybe three mm-hmm. months old. Where does everybody's attention migrate? Like, where does like who who becomes the most important the person baby. in the room? Yeah, the baby. That everybody goes. Oh, yeah, and they the baby. All go over. Yeah. They're all gravitating toward the baby. Right? All these famous, powerful people in the room, but everyone goes toward the baby. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is a great thing for for mm-hmm. to consider. They move toward innocence. Mm-hmm. They move toward vulnerability. They move yeah. toward this this creature that perhaps reminds them of who they were before the world mm-hmm. told them who they were supposed yeah. to be. So they end up becoming the most powerful person yeah. in the room. Mm-hmm. Right? The baby yeah. can't wow. even speak. Yeah. It's the most powerful person in the room. Right. Yeah. By the way, how did God show up on earth according to the yeah. Christian tradition? As a baby. As a, As baby, a baby, dude. Mm-hmm. So in other mm-hmm. words, there's something about... Yeah innocence not yeah. in, not being infantile but being innocent yeah. that has some kind of transcendent power beyond mm, our wildest imagination wow. so for, so it, for all of us wow. every type but particularly for eights who struggle mm-hmm. with it yeah boom that's yeah. where your power if you want power if yeah. you want strength wow you gotta dare to go there yeah mm. uh, it, that makes so much sense to me because I don't think anybody on our the team that I'm leading or the people I'm leading with can't, will say to you that I, I guess I'll, I'll say it like this they'll tell you the moments that they fell in love with me is in those kinds of moments you bet and it was and even this phrase I told them I've told them before straight up I said guys I know I am respected but I want to be loved mm-hmm. and then one day when they showed me a gift of love that they, they did I wept and I got on stage and I told them now I our hearts are just there. Something different is happening because I know you just don't respect me. I know you love me. And there's just mm-hmm. this thing that I know in most environments because of my leadership strength or my, my strength to just in general <clears throat> that I can have the respect of a lot of people. Yeah. But all to, at the end of the day, I'm going, I just, I just want to know that you love me more than it, that if you respect me. Okay. So every type settles for something, mm. right? So in the case of the eight, we, we often say eights, want or desire love but they settle for respect Mm, yeah you know or you may say for a three that threes want love but they they settle for admiration wow twos for appreciation Mm. you know what i'm saying uh yeah and i could i could go on and on right so each type settles for something uh when they want love they settle for something less Mm mm-hmm and when you get healthy, you start to go toward the thing mm. that's legit and real. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Very powerful. Wow. All right. So you mentioned just or justice mm-hmm. a few yeah. moments ago. So how do, you, how do you as an eight tell the, the difference between justice and vengeance? Well, okay. I ha- just because of my, my worldview and where I sit, justice for me and vengeance. So how do I explain it in a way that would be helpful? So I think about vengeance is ultimately, uh, it is the self-gratification 
coming out of my woundedness mm-hmm. that believes that if I'm punished, you must be punished. Mm-hmm. But my for justice, I look at how do I make you whole and restore your well-being. So justice is much more about wholeness and much more mm-hmm. about figuring out how do we set, as C.S. Lewis with Aslan, set all things right. Mm-hmm. So justice is much more about setting the world right as it's been set into chaos by whatever incident that it is. So whatever it is to set, set the world right through love. Mm. This is good because, uh, again, for people who know AIDS or who are AIDS, uh, this is another one of these uh, points of confusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like confusing vulnerability with weakness, Mm -hmm. oftentimes AIDS will confuse justice with vengeance. Oh, yeah. And oftentimes they'll take vengeful action against somebody and then call it justice. Mm. Totally. Like you got yours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You get justice for so many AIDS who are unhealthy or people in general is the idea that you get what you deserve. Yes. Like that. This and I, is, and I might justice. help that along. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I would like to help that along. Yeah. I mean, so some AIDS, <laughs> some AIDS will just sort of like, you know, cross their arms and say, you'll get yours. You know, the universe is going to make sure you get yours. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll enjoy it when I see it. But an, a very unhealthy eight will actually move into action and, and throw on their cape and, you know, uh, sort of take vengeance on somebody and justify yeah. it to themselves by calling it justice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not a good place for eights to live, you know? No. Well, that's like the, I love, you know, is it Desmond Tutu's book is no future without forgiveness. Yes, that's right. It's, it's that, that whole paradigm is that the only way that we go forward is through forgiveness. That's the mm-hmm. only way the human race goes forward is through forgiveness. Yes. And the eights have to give up their desire to feel strong and punitive measures like for me like i have to give up the feeling that this is going to make me feel strong if you get yours rather than realizing i have to let go of that to in order to to respond with true justice this is not uh, it's not an eye for an eye right yeah i mean you know eye for an eye never ends particularly well for either party because you both lose an eye (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) you know what i mean and that's that's why i love that's what i love about jesus when he's on the cross he leaves them with no worry of his vengeance right right at the hands of an innocent person killed at the hands of unjust people he gives them no concern for their family like i'm not going to come back for you no he's like no forgive them they know not what they do right so Beautiful. I, I want to just point out for people, you know, obviously eight goes to five, yeah. when the low side of five when it's in stress. When it's mm-hmm. doing well, it goes to the high side of two. So you just mentioned Desmond Tutu, uh, yeah. who, I mean, people believe, and we don't know this for sure, but believe <laughs> that he's an Enneagram two. Okay. Now, I've actually, I spent two days with Desmond as, his, cha- as, as his chaplain. Oh. Uh, he made a visit to the United States, and um, I was assigned uh, as a priest uh, wow. to kind of be, they call it a chaplain, which basically means I was his sort of like uh, handler, bodyguard, slash, which is a joke because I weigh 145 pounds. But, <laughs> but, you know, I was in charge of kind of getting him where he needed to go, riding in the car with him, blah, blah, blah. So I had, you know, two full days with him. And... Um, the thing I remember about him, I'll, I, the the one thing I won't forget about Desmond Tutu is when we got out of a limousine to go to a speaking engagement he had at a big fundraiser. So this fundraiser had like 500 super rich people at it. Okay. Wow. Outside, outside of it, right, there were 15, let's say, valet parking guys standing in a line, you know, arms behind their back, you know, like sort of like all in, you know, straight backed. Uh, kind of positions and very respectful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's cars, limos and town cars pulling up. And when Desmond's, or I should say Archbishop Tutu's in my, <laughs> in my tradition, uh, when his car pulled up, people let him out. And then he proceeded to, while all these people are inside waiting for his grand appearance, he spent a half an hour going down the line to every single guy in the, of the ballets Wow. Asking them their name, about their children, about their, you know, wow. Their, wow. Where, where they were from, you know, what their kids' names were, their ages. I mean, it was like, and I'm biting my nails because everybody's inside <laughs> waiting for Desmond and he could care less. It's not even on his map. His map is saying, love who's right in front of you, mm-hmm. right? Remember, eight goes to the high side of two, which is what Desmond is. And so <laughs> what I saw in that moment was the, the sort of 
beautiful expression of both of love and interest, but also of justice, because not one mm. of them was a, was a white person. Wow. And I think Desmond was very attuned um, to, you know, the fact that um, these were people, people that in the social hierarchy were not inside the tent waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were outside, and uh, justice demanded, uh, or we could say love, which is justice, demanded mm-hmm. that he treat them equal. Mm-hmm. So eight, too, isn't sure. it? Like, yes. When it's oh healthy, my gosh. Man, that's where you, that's I how you love start that. I love that so much. So, yeah. so much. Because yeah. it, it, it's the, for me, it combats my rushed life. Mm. Because yeah. I, I, can, I, I can live so rushed and driven and going that the, the, the patience that love demands, I can... I can block, bypass it, right, and right. just to actually stop for one person and love them, is the, is healing for me as much as it is for the person who stopped for. Right. Okay, so um, you know, as we kind of come down the the finishing line to, of our conversation, I want to ask you, how did you? How old are you? I'm 31. Right. So, how did you get this self aware so fast? <sighs> I. Uh, I would say part of it became through my relationship with God and then through uh, some training that I did really, really young when I was 20, 21. I, right. I went and attended school for, and in that schooling, I went to a specific school that focuses the first year all around identity and right. they self-awareness was part of the game plan. And so the right. Enneagram, that's how the Enneagram fits so com- compatible with my life is because I felt self-awareness was a, a part of our game plan already. And then this just took it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then so, when you get feedback quick too. <laughs> right. Right. So this is, this is something that, yes, you do. That's actually a really good point. That, say that again because it's really good. I said, I said as, as an eight, you get feedback real quick. Yeah, people from are the, not. Yeah, from brave people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They've right? got to be ready to die. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be ready to die for the truth. Yeah, you have moved them. Yes. Uh, oh, man. There's a Superman clip of, of in a comic book. Uh, it's Superman animated series. And he's he finally, he says, I'm finally going to let you see all the power that I have that I've been holding back. Because if one day I let go, everyone would die. <laughs> I'm like, I completely <laughs> resonate with that. That if I let go, everyone will die. That is, I, that's funny, man. Did I ever tell you about the time I was in Rwanda and and I, my experience up in the jungle of Rwanda? No. Okay, so this is an eight story. Okay. okay. So I, this is about 10 years ago. I went uh, with a group to find, uh, uh, it's up in the corner of the Congo and uh, Rwanda and uh, whatever, that, Uganda maybe? Uh, I can't remember. I'm not very good with geography. Anyway, so up there is where the silverback gorillas live. Yeah. And, so we went up looking with a, a guide, a tour, mm. to go find silverback gorillas. Now, have you ever seen a silverback gorilla? In person, no. I have okay. Not, no. Okay. So they're like 600 pounds. Yeah. And they're the ones that, you know, they, they got their, I can't yeah. really, no one can see me, but, you know, they're back. <laughs> Look up silverback gorilla and you yeah, know what okay. I'm talking about. These are intense creatures. Yes. Okay. Beasts. And, and, and so the guys we had said, listen, uh, you know, if, a, if you're approached by one, whatever you do, don't look them in the eye. You, you look down at the ground. Uh, you always have to go like this. <clears throat> really? Yeah, because if you don't, the, they'll think you're sneaking up on them. If you make sound, oh, the they'll realize gotcha. that that you're kind of respecting them. Like you, they're, they're letting wow. you're letting them know they're there. You're there, and don't hurt me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, anyway, uh, my friend Chris is standing next to me, and one of the little babies. Uh, broke out of the pack and came over and, and uh, held onto our leg for a minute. Whoa. Oh, geez. And the silverback looks over and he is not happy. Whoa. And he charged us. Oh, wow. And the, and the no guy starts yelling, way. don't move, don't move, look down, don't move. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> I'm out to some serious, <clears throat> <clears throat> some serious grunting. And then he got his face, I mean, about four inches from my nose. No way. And he what? just looked me in the eye for a solid, maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. And didn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't do it. And his smelly breath is coming out. And he is just staring in my wow. eyes. 
and and kind of growling every now and then, scratching himself. And the guy, the guy said to me later, you know, if this guy took, oh a, you know, they're vegetarian, gosh. so he's, you know, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna eat, eat me. But he said, if he took a swing at you, you'd be dead. <laughs> wow. And and I always think of that story when I think <laughs> oh about. Oh my goodness. When I think about eights a little bit, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, like as you were saying, oh, man. Yep. Like, okay, you can confront. Go ahead, you can come and confront me, but this is what comes back at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like a silverback sometimes. Yeah, oh my god, oh, 100. Again, if they're not self-aware, which is to mm-hmm. my point about you, that's yeah. what happens. But mm-hmm. but when they're self-aware, they have all that access to all that power mm. of a like of a silverback, yeah, uh, and the leadership power of a silverback. But they're attuned like a two mm-hmm. to other people's feelings. And well, in the moment, they're able to you know dial it back. Yeah. Well, like I've I I tell people who are similar in intensity as me or people in general that are, they don't know the Enneagram, but know their level of intensity is similar. I often tell them, you can't just say, come give me feedback. You actually have to go ask for it because people are too scared to give it to you. And then you'll excuse yourself. Mm. You'll just say, oh, no one's told me. And I'm going, no, you just haven't had the courage to face the reality of what you're doing by asking for it first. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, all right, everybody write down this question. Are you ready? And Mm -hmm. I got to admit, it's original to me. There Uh, you go. I I used this at LeaderCast. I spoke at LeaderCast earlier this year. All right, so here's the question. What do you know about me that I should know about me, but I don't? Oh, so good. Let me say it so again. good. This is good for every single type, and yeah. it'll be hard for every type for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? What do you know about me that I sh- I don't I, um, I don't know about that I don't know about me, but I, I should. should. You know, that's a very very powerful question because you're you're being very vulnerable. <laughs> it makes me so nervous that question. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? If I feel like I got an ice pick in the lower back when I think of it, you know, but. Um, you know, I asked that question to you, Anthony, once. Yes, you did, and you gave me a, a great answer. Mm. Um, and I've done it with a few other people. You got to be—you got to have had a good night's rest to 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 want to a, an it. answer yeah. to that question and yeah. to handle it well. Mm-hmm. But but that's where things like self-awareness come from, and especially if the other person knows the enneagram, mm-hmm. they can say, "Well, you know, Ian is a four. You know, sometimes you get too self-absorbed, and uh, you know." Your feelings become the most important thing in the room. Wow. And uh, what about the rest of us, you know? Mm. Wow. Now, two days later, that becomes wisdom. Mm. Mm -hmm. The first two days, it just becomes pain. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Shame and pain. Yeah. Man, a couple of days later, if you you can receive it, Mm -hmm. you're going to be Mm -hmm. better for it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, well, Chris, one... One piece of advice, and, and remember, yeah. I mean, you can speak out of your tradition, but just you know, keeping in mind mm-hmm. that we got all kinds yeah. of different people of backgrounds listening. If you could uh, encourage eights to do one thing to grow in self awareness and and what I would call emotional wisdom, mm-hmm. what would it be? <sighs> to grow in self awareness, I would say one of the first things that. I have to give up the fear of appearing weak by overemphasizing my strengths. Okay. How do you do that? The, the, the next part inside my head is that I go, you have, to, you have to get rid of your fear of coming under somebody. Mm, under mm. authority of somebody. Under, yeah. Allow wow. yourself to be submitted to someone. Give... Mm. And the idea of recognizing, giving permission to someone to lead you yes. as an eight. Okay, awesome. Woo! That's big. Uh, have someone in your life, eights, and this is true for everybody, for eights, let's mm-hmm. say, very important. Question for eights. Do you have someone in your life who can say no to you? 100%. And you have to listen. I did that for years with travel. Any travel trip that ever came my way, I gave it to someone in my life. And I said, if you say no, I, I won't go. If you say yes, I'll go. Mm. So that's wise for an eight who would take every trip that came down the pipe. Exactly. Uh, that's uh, exactly why I did it. Right. One more experience, more intense thing yeah, to do. Like, right? yeah, what's going to make me feel stronger? Oh, I feel stronger because I'm getting more invites. I feel even stronger. Because if you yeah. know me more than anybody else, I told this person, you know me more than anybody else. So if you say no, I won't do it. If you say yes, I lost trips because they didn't get back to me in time. 
Yep. Where Chips would say, hey, we make a decision. I said, I won't make a decision outside of what I call sonship. I was like, I won't make a decision outside of sonship where I'm, I've submitted my life to somebody for their input, their influence on me, uh, for the wisdom and counsel I know I need to thrive. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting in a tradition very different than yours, which mm-hmm. is, the, is the Quaker tradition. Yeah. Quakers have what's called a clearness committee. Yes, yeah. And, and clearness committees just help you discern. They don't tell you what you can do. They just say, well, based on, it's like group spiritual direction, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the other group members of your group would say, okay, so you've got all these invites. This, based on what we hear uh, and what we just sense the Spirit is doing in this moment is to tell you uh, X. Now, they can't enforce it. They don't mean, they're not going mm-hmm. to. They're just responding in the moment to what they yeah. perceive is the ongoing activity of grace at that moment for you. Yeah. All right, that's awesome. Chris, thank you for being on. Oh, honor. Absolute honor. I love listening wow. to the podcast, so it's so fun to actually get to engage with you. Oh, well, engage you did, and and you did f- fantastic. I learned it. <laughs> I mean, just the whole thing on courage and wholeheartedness and mm-hmm. living out of the so heart good. for AIDS and innocence, you know, a new sort of a new peek at what innocence is. Man, you brought so much juice, and I oh, love good. The juice. Oh, I'm thankful. So, I'm glad that that worked out that way. You know, this is interesting as I'm sitting here, Ian. Uh, Chris, you're reminding me of another guest that we've had on the program before who's also an eight, David Gunger. Yeah. Um, highly self-aware and has this yes. four-ish contemplative side to him. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. David has that kind of interesting mystical edge mm-hmm. uh, blended in with that eight yeah. energy, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. which sometimes makes it hard to identify him as an eight. Uh-huh. Well, the, the, so. the, when, when for me too, like when you said the mystical part that ha, there's been a, 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 I have quite a bit of mystical experiences that has an eight. It's kind of hard to reject or not listen to a voice that is the creator of the universe. So it's kind of like, you don't really get to power play this one. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, that's called your, you know, that, that, that's called your first report yeah. in business. It's like, yeah. that's called your report. Yeah. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't want to screw with the report, right? Yeah, it's like when everybody so, else can say it to me, but then all of a sudden in an experience with, with love, all of a sudden I am like, oh, that can't, you, you can't, you can't, you can't escape that one. Right. That's, that's coming. Well, listen, everybody. Uh, Chris Cruz, um, thank you so much. Thank you for schooling us on eights. (laughs) Dear friends, dear friends out there, remember this uh, as Chris reminded us today. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.